Did you know that 89% of award-winning ad campaigns fall into just six categories of thinking? And now the ad nerds at AdHouse Advertising School have taken that thinking and turned it into a deck of cards. AdHouse of Cards is a deck of 35 cards designed to help you come up with big ideas. Each card includes a prompt, a proven technique used by award-winning ad pros to jumpstart your thinking and improve your campaigns. Visual thinkers can use the backs of the cards to free associate using gorgeous photography from the artists at Unsplash.com. AdHouse of Cards will teach you to hone in on the benefit, dramatize it, romanticize it, look at it sideways, and twist it into a pretzel. And the best part is that all of the proceeds go to the AdHouse Scholarship Program, supporting our mission to make the advertising industry more inclusive. AdHouse of Cards, a deck for ad nerds. Get yours today for just 20 bucks at AdHouseNYC.com. Hello, ad nerds. This is the A-List podcast, the podcast that asks the world's top advertising professionals how they got started in the business. I'm your host, Tom Chrisman, creative for hire at TomChrisman.net and one of the head ad nerds at Ad House Advertising School. Today, you'll hear my conversation with Gavin Lester. He's currently CCO at Zambezi, an independent agency out of Culver City, California but he was the art director on one of my favorite ads of all time, an ad directed by Jonathan Glazier out of uh, BBH uh, for Levi's called Odyssey. You should look it up. It's incredible. We talk about it in this episode. Um, Gavin and I also talk about being a conceptual artist in school uh, and then going from that to writing ads and how advertising can be a public art. We talk about BBH versus Goodby, Beatles versus The Stones, we talk about how to be an ad nerd, how to grow your business, um, how growing a business can be a creative endeavor, and, and much more. So uh, this one has a lot to think about, and Gavin has one of those awesome English accents, which makes everything just nicer. So without further ado, here is my chat with Mr. Gavin Lester. Thanks for coming on, Gavin. Hey, Gavin. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. As you can, as you can probably tell, I'm I'm an, I'm a transplant from another another world. That's right. I yeah. hear I hear an accent. It's a Game of Thrones sort of thing. It is. It is. You've yeah. got going on there. Um, where did where did you grow up? London. I'm from London. London. North, I always say North London. We, that sounds we, like uh, Danger Mouse when you say it. It London. is. Well, that's London, the home of the <laughs> capital, where Prince <laughs> Philip was laid to rest recently. And oh, sad. Bill the Greek. He was Greek, actually. Did you know that? Yeah, I know. He was born on a table in uh, in in Cor- Corfu, I think. Right? I, didn't know, I didn't know he was born on a table. I mean, yeah, and I it's, was... it's in a it's in a, a a conference room somewhere now. I saw it on I saw it on <laughs> CBS this morning or Sunday morning or whatever it is. The table where Prince Philip was born. Yeah, an IKEA table. It was an IKEA table, table, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't that fancy. It was like it was like uh, it was made in a in a in a you know factory. It wasn't like a hand flat flat pack table, Allen key set. Yeah, screws missing. I've got one of those tables. (laughs) Probably. Yeah. (laughs) You um, grew up in London, and did you uh, where in London? Were you North London, South London? So North London. So North London is we we spell it N. O R F North London, yeah, North and North London. London is if like if you kind of put a, a like New York over over London, and yeah, you got the boroughs, right? North yeah. London is probably like coming from the Bronx. Okay, okay. all right. Yeah. So I'm from the Bronx. Yeah. So, so are you Arsenal? Are you Chelsea? No, Who are you? Ironically, no, I'm not. But my dad, he was he was from Brixton, which is South London, South. Yeah. yeah. And that and Millwall was a team he supported forever. So okay. he he supported Millwall for. He passed away last year for like oh. seventy years. I mean, forever. So, so he now now Millwall. They're the hooligans, you know. They yeah, are the, they're the oh. they're the they're one of the they're one of the toughest team. Like in terms of the the fans, they're, yeah. they're the most uh, you know scary. I mean, scary if team. you ever want to see kind of like white supremacy, uh, it's kind of most <laughs> like like. 
I don't know, amplified. It's go to a Millwall yeah. game. It was disgusting. Yeah. And we're Jewish. So, like, imagine being yeah. Jewish. You, know, you, oh don't my tell, God. you don't tell people you're Jewish when you're at a Millwall game. I mean, <laughs> Not at a Millwall yeah. game, no. I mean, Tottenham, they, they serve bagels because they're known for yeah. you know, they're, they're huge <laughs> That's Jewish right. yeah. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's pork scratching, which is chicharrons, basically, uh, a Millwall <laughs> game. Yeah, it's fun. It's a fun place. Um, so I'm from London, uh, North London. Um, I guess so. I guess what you want to know is my my backstory is I, I grew yeah. up in a in you know like a, a North London Jewish family. My mum was Sephardic Jewish, you know, so she's from Spain, Portugal. My dad's the Ashkenazi, yeah. which is probably most New Yorkers are Ashkenazi, right? Yeah, yeah that kind yeah. of like that kind of sardonic kind of self-defacing uh, humor, and. Yeah. You know, I think my parents lived vicariously through me and my brother, you know, because they, my dad was an actor. He liked to act. My mum was an artist, but that wasn't a chosen career. So my dad had got into a very famous drama school when he was younger called RADA, right? And he couldn't go because his parents were gamblers. So he had to kind of get (laughs) him out of, pay all the bills and get a job. So his whole life was like, you know, it was kind of like, he was he was a sales director for a company, so he was able yeah. to kind of perform as a salesman. Okay. But I think he really kind of like his true passion was 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 acting. So there was a lot of like vicariously living through his children. So both my brother and myself, you know, we we had a very good upbringing in terms of being encouraged to be creative. My brother's oh, now wow. a, a feature director, and I was you know I'm an art. It was I, always into the arts as yeah. well so it's always pushed so that was great so have that kind of um you know most most parents say art what do you mean art you go be an yeah. accountant you go be yeah. a doctor you know so we were we were really fortunate in that in that respect and so from that i guess i went to art school i did a fine art degree uh yeah but, and, but, and in yeah. in in london at that time art school wasn't a it was a lot of people go to art school uh, yeah in in london right it's like a it's a common thing yeah, I mean, there's you know, there's there's a rich history of the arts in in England and in, in London. Like St Martin's was a very famous mm-hmm. school in, in Central St Martin's, um, and I actually decided to go out west. And there was a very there was a great art school in in, in Bath, right? Yeah, and yeah. it was called Bath Academy, and some very famous artists went there, like Howard Hodgkins and Glenn Brown, these famous artists that you may or may not know. And I went there and I kind of, I, I studied there for four years, three years, and it was fantastic. It was a real kind of, um, you know, you were just giving your studio. And we we're always looking for autonomy, right? We were constantly yeah. struggling to find autonomy in, in advertising. And yeah. I was given it for three years where it was really, here's your studio space. We'll do whatever you want. Do what you want for three years. And the lectures will come through, professors will come through, and you have to kind of talk to them about your work and they'll give you a point of view. And then at the end of the three years, you put on a big show and, See you later. And, and it was great. So did you did you want to be a a, a painter, uh, a sculpture uh, sculptor? I, well, okay. concep- I was a conceptual artist because I'll talk about it because I I've been studying it and practicing art longer than I've been in advertising. I, I do it yeah. to this day, so I, I've still I still kind of practice it. And the, the thing is, I tell you the story why I probably got into advertising was, um, you know, I was in a couple of shows. So it was called one was called transmission report and one was called heaven on earth gives me migraine and it got and i and i got kind of like um pushed towards this big art dealer at the time and this was like the mid to late mid mid 90s a guy called martin maloney who would kind of represent some very significant british artists and i went to see him in hoxton he had a place in hoxton and he was looking at my art and he goes, you're a thug. I go, yeah, it's great. I like being a thug, right? He goes, this yeah. piece here, I made this one piece. He goes, I need you to make hundreds of these, all right? And all of a sudden, this kind of like, you know, this this cloud of like depression fell over my head because this art dealer was looking at it as a commodity, not as this pure yeah. expression, right? And yeah. it was kind of like, oh, shit. Now, that wasn't the reason why I got into advertising, but it it kind of... It soured it, you on art, though. It kind of like it made well, you feel like, oh, this is just a this is just another job at, yeah. at some point. Well, it soured me as, as a, a job as a profession. It didn't sour me on art, right? Right. But what advertising yeah. has allowed me to do, because you know we get paid pretty well in this business, it yeah. gave me that that the autonomy and the, the, the to have the opportunity to make fine art on the side. And I'd like to talk about. I think there's a distinct difference between. Yeah, I'd love uh, to hear about right. that. What? It, well, I always talk about when I, you know, like. 
yeah, people may disagree, but I, my my relationship with advertising, I, I love it, but it's more like an actor, right? I will say like we're an actor. So, and I talk about who do you want to be? Do you want to be The Rock or Daniel Day-Lewis, right? So in this mm. business and advertising, you can be, you can be The Rock. You can be hugely successful. We've seen the cult of a personality take over the industry for a bit. But yeah. I think I like to be more like a Daniel Day-Lewis where I'm kind of like behind the curtain. I'm not really the yeah. focal point. There's no credits rolling at the end of a, a piece of marketing with my name on it, you know? Yeah. And and I think but that part of the job that I love is that that you know understanding the empathy you know and getting into that character, getting into understanding the different tones of voice, and you'll find your own voice through that naturally. But ultimately, it's like it's you're you're, you're playing a role with fine art practice or any practice like playing you know music or if you're mm. you know a poet whatever. It's purely autobiographical, you know. Right. It's no, all it's, about you, your yeah. tone of voice and your, yeah. your expression and your, how do you come at a, uh, an art project differently than how you come at, uh, a, a advertising project then? Yeah. I think an advertising project is it's pushed towards you, right? You know what yeah. I mean? There's like, okay, client is requiring this right now. They want to push this forward. This is, you know, the demographic you got to go to. Uh, for me, art projects, they they come in different ways. I can walk towards one or it can just kind of gravitate towards me. And yeah. so, and then if it kind of resonates, it will stay with me. And then I will kind of spend sometimes many years with a thought before I actually execute it. Yeah. So, so it's, you, it's different. Yeah. Very different. And where do you keep those thoughts? Where do you have like a, like mm. a file or do you have like a no. place on your computer or, do, or is it just like, you know, if, no, no, if it comes back, yeah. it, it's, it's the thing. If it that's doesn't, a, that's it, exactly it. Yeah. I think if, if it, if it sticks, you don't need to write it down. And I think, with, right. And I think with a, with a, a thought like that, I mean, you know, you, you feed it over many years, you kind of interrogate it and, you know, right. you know, and you, and then, and then, then you have to get into kind of, can I afford to make it? You know what I mean? With advertising. Yeah. It's it's like you know what you're going to spend up front, right? Yeah, okay. Right. It's like or you should, you yeah. should. <laughs> times have changed. Times have changed. I mean, we still moan about. We still kind of moan. What's the budget. What, yeah, the budget is always a question. There's like, yeah. Somehow we we always find a way to make it with zero money or all the money, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. But we always ask for more. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, yeah, there. But that that's just the. Yeah, but the the way we do it in advertising, it's kind of you're spoiled in a way. You know, you're definitely right. spoiled. I mean, the thing that you're deprived of sometimes is time or, right. you know, you know, so that, that can affect not necessarily the outcome, but it can affect the, the kind of, the, you know, you have to apply more rigor to it a lot quicker. And it's, yeah. It's, yeah. So it's a different, it's a different, um, it's just a different work, work process, you know, and I, yeah. and I, and I'm, I don't put one more important than the other. I find, I find this business incredibly fascinating. And I think it's a privilege to be on the zeitgeist. You know, the oh, things yeah. that what, what we get exposed to, like, you know, you see things that are 18 months out from being in the marketplace, or you see things that are maybe should never go to market and you're asked to decide, you know, you know, so yeah. you, you definitely get a, uh, you know, um, a lot of uh, exclusive treatment in this business. So I, 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 I'm constantly fascinated by it. Sort of living in the future. Um, yeah, yeah. So you're, so you're, so you're sitting in that, uh, in that, art dealer's office and he's he's mm. basically crushed your dreams and told you like okay now now become a factory for these things and yeah i want to make money off of you yeah where do you do from there do you do you say like do you have to find advertising or is did you know people in advertising already yeah well my brother was trying to weed his way into the the film industry and he was working mm. at a, a production company and they were and he was run, running basically you know pa and he met these two young creatives who worked at Leo Burnett. And he he got talking to them because my brother, he's, he's a yakna, right? He talks a lot. And it was like, um, and they said, oh, you know, you know, my, my I was kind of at a loose end and goes, my brother's really creative. What do you do? He goes, oh, we, we're the copyright and art director of this, this agency. And yeah. he, goes, he goes, oh, what, how did you get into that? He goes, well, we, we did this course at West Hearts, you know, Watford. It was called Watford. Um, Oh, I don't know. It was like it was like one of those creative circus, you know, courses. Yeah. You know, yeah. And when I and I and I did that, and it was like 
an intense 18-week program, and then after that, you kind of do an internship. And when I got there, it was like, oh, my word, this is incredible, because it was like the generation of creative thinking, you know, uh, over and over again was just like, I, it was constantly having to be inspired was, was, was fantastic, and I met some really great people there. Yeah, the, the, that's the thing I, I'm thinking. Like, yeah. as an artist, you, you're, you know, they give you that, they give you carte blanche, they give you the whole, yeah. you know, paid for your semester. So you have all this space, whatever you want to do. And it's almost, it's almost, it can be for me, like, it's like, if I don't have, like, what's the story? What's the, what are the edges? What's the budget? What's the, yeah. I, I get a little lost. I can, you know? So to, um, the, the, the sort of connection between art and advertising for me is like, it's sort of like an art project that somebody else thought of and yeah. you need to jump in on. Um, it's right. It's a piece of public art, basically public. Art. Right. But yeah. 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 Uh, so did you find that stifling or did you find that sort of. No, cause I, I am, you know, on one hand, I spent many years in the life room just doing academic type art, you know, which is, yeah. which is what you have to do. But right. I was, I'm a conceptual thinker. So, right. you know, I always talk about how, you know, ideas aren't my problem, getting them made are, right? You know, so, so I, I really kind of thrived in this environment where it was like, yeah, conceptual thinking, let's do it, let's go for it. I mean, I, I yes. also think it's... um. You know, there's just I, I don't I mean, there's some fundamentals that you just as soon as you learn the fundamentals of marketing, right? You know, yeah. you know, it's basically how do you look what, what you're looking for in the brief? Single-minded proposition, tone of voice, who's the audience, how much money they're gonna spend, you know. Those yeah. if you and you talk to most creatives, they 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 will go to those four or five things on the brief, first of all, and then they're off, you know. Right. And, and so so the, you know, learning that kind of strategic mindset as a creative was was a good, good thing for the conceptual kind of output so i loved it you know yeah and then so out of this out of this watford class you, yeah you had a you had a book at that point you started shopping it around that's right so me and my partner anthony goldstein who actually um and we worked together eight years before he we went to wyden kennedy i think he's most famous for that kaepernick work he did you know um um we shopped it around we shopped it around and we had this huge ass portfolio because back in the days we just well yeah. we we would have this portfolio case and we shopped it around to uh, um every agency in london and i think we did an internship at jwt at the time and that was okay and it was the time where you was kind of, kind of like just Michelle Bone, who was CCO smoking in the room. You know, it was like yeah. ash everywhere. And that was that was an interesting experience. But then we finally landed an agency called um, Euro RSCG Wenock Gosper, Euro RSCG, which is Havas, right? We used yeah. to call it Euro Ars Cheese. Um, it was <laughs> it was kind of like just like uh, it was one of those like hangover from the eighties agencies, you know? Yeah. And they had yeah. two buildings. Listen to this: they had two buildings. And they were in the Charing, they were on Covent Garden, Charing Cross Road, right? It was a just yeah. off the Charing Cross Road. And uh, one building was where all the management was set, Mark Wenner, yeah. Brett Gosper, Chris Pennington, and they had Peugeot there, right? And because they also had Citroen as a as a, another car brand, they had to split the two buildings in half. So all the young juniors were in this one building <laughs> all on their own. <laughs> wow. The management. And we just ran riot. I mean, the things that we got up to, you can't, you couldn't do now. You like, there was a, to give you an example, there was a, um, there was a, a, I think his name was Frosty. And he looked like a horse, basically, you know, that long face, looked like a horse. And when he went on vacation, he removed all of his uh, kind of belongings from the office, took everything out, put down a load, bay of, a load of hay, right, on his office floor. In a nose bag, you know, the old nose bag with horse chestnuts in it. Yeah. And then he came back and he's kind of had a short temper and he slammed the door and the cut his door in half like a barn door and that swung open like a barn door. <laughs> so, you know, back in the day, you know, those, those, that was like, you know, every day there was something like that. Every day there was, you know, yeah. there was bad behavior, which unfortunately can't do anymore. But it kind of was a creative experience, you know, as a young, right. young, you know, young rascals kind of running around crazy in London doing yeah. mad things. It was, it was who fun. were your who were your inspirations at that point? Like who did you want to like who did you look up to in the business or was it more like 
I just want to make yeah. Cool well, shit. well, it was kind of like you know when I, I I got into the business, and I think the the, the big teams that they were uh, Flinton and McLeod, Richard Flint and Andy McLeod. They were DDB at the time. Uh, there was Tom Carty and Walter Campbell who were avid movie because they did surfer, finished surfer. Yeah, and then there were like the Farquhars, who was over Lagos Delaney, you know. So you had that. Uh, it, it was a time where it was like you were, you were ever, you know, a brilliant headline writer or a brilliant visual storyteller, you know. That, that's the yeah. kind of place. And and I think Andy and Rich were kind of the kind of creatives that were able to um, do a bit of both, very high uh, high concept. Um, but but I was, you know, being an art director my natural instinct was to kind of see these things like, you know, really get inspired by the Flint, you know, by, by, um, I guess, Walt Campbell and Tom Carty. Yeah. They, they were great. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're kind of full of the down a little bit of a path actually, but, but, but anyway, you're ours, you, we called it you're ours cheese. And that was one crazy experience. Um, you know, and that not- was just to, to get a job where you just like, yeah. I'll take, I'll take anywhere at that point. Is that the kind of thing you were, or were you more like, I want to work at widen no. someday. How do I get there? No, no, it was, you know, it was like, you, you kind of, you were happy to get any job, just get your foot in the door. It's, right. it's, it's, I think it's different now. You know, I think people are like very kind of like curate their own career. You know, they, they know what they want from the beginning. I actually would give, I would tell people go work at an average agency to begin with. If you can yeah. make great work in an average agency, you are, it's going to be a cakewalk. And I think yeah. we learned a lot. So we got to the point that my partner and I, we wanted to get out. But we, we started to make test commercials, right? And yeah. we would make commercials. We would go and blag a production company for some money. And their young director would write ads for our clients. And we'd make a bunch of them. And we'd also do the naughty thing where we put, you remember back in the day, a three-quarter inch tape? We would yeah. put fake clocks in the front of them to make how they ran and put them into award shows. And we won a bunch of awards. Ah, oh, nice. I won't say what for, but we yeah. won a bunch of awards. And that got us a job at BBH in 1999, right? Oh, wow, yeah. So we were that, like, was, that was the hot spot. Yeah, that, I mean, that time it was. It was like BBH yeah. was... It was Levi's. Uh, champagne moment. Yeah, champagne moment. And, you know, we were three years in the business and, you know, we got this job and you walk down the hallways of BBH and it was like these big glass office doors, you know, and if you did a bad ad, everyone would stand out there and look out the window and say, dead man walking, you know, <laughs> you know, cause Hegarty's office was at the end, but it was a very, yeah. very well-tuned um, operation BBH. Uh, it was like, it was, it was a, it was a, it was good to see obviously creative was the, the product. But it was definitely a, a, they called it the holy trinity, the kind of the importance of strategy, the importance of account management, the importance of creativity kind of as a collaborative thing became uh, a really kind of a good thing to be around to see how, um, you know, how things really worked, how, how things really got made and how things could actually also be not just great creative, but could also be effective, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean that's you know so I learned life lessons and and having John Hegarty as my creative director was yeah you know I mean I, you know it was like a uh, it was a blessing I guess and it was um you know, <laughs> what was that like what was it, what was he like is it what did he want from from young creatives I mean he would always come into your room and say good is the enemy of great and i think he was just looking for great so i think he was it was a very it's a very simple binary it was like make it great okay? yeah and make it you know um make me feel something make it i think he was very interested in you know uh hop hopping over the industry into culture and i know we talk about that a lot but really yeah. kind of um making a uh a point of that and that you do that by great things and, and you know levi's really kind of was the kind of the, the poster child for the agency for something that became far greater than a a uh, an accolade within our industry it became something which resonated with culture so yeah. you know you know but I, I i and then my partner and i were very lucky we got to work on levi's you know and i think that was when we kind of had that turning moment where the kind of the light shone really bright on us, you know, and the stars aligned and we, we made a smoke back in 2002 Levi's Odyssey with the kids running through the walls and shot with Jonathan Glaze. Yeah. And, yeah. That's one of the greatest Levi's ads ever made. It's yeah. beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And I it, kind is, of, it is a piece of art because it's not, it's not, uh, 
it's not selling you the, you know, they were tough genes, right? They were, they were, uh, they were hard genes, right? That was the, that was the thing. And you the, took the, it in. Yeah. The brief actually was, um, you know, it was a new, it was a new kind of product skew for them. It was an engineered gene. And I remember the brief to this day, this is the kind of the genius of the strategy department was, um, bring dramatic attention to how Levi's engineered genes are designed to fit the contours of your body. Right. So that then you looked at the, the demographic, it's like 15 to 24. And then you look at, you know, and then all of yeah. a sudden it's like, oh my, 15, 24, rites of passage and freedom and, da, da, you know, and yeah. it was very, I wouldn't say it was quick, but it was very like, you know, it, 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 it was pretty well directed. You know, obviously you needed the spice of the credit department to, to get there. And yeah. uh all of a sudden, you know, when you get onto the Levi's train, it's moving very, very quickly in terms of like, wow, this is, I'm talking to, I mean, I remember I was talking to, before we kind of landed on Glazer, I spoke to Brian Singer and I spoke to Chris Cunningham and I spoke to Rupert Sanders, you know, this is where Rupert yeah. was coming up. And so I spoke to all these directors that were kind of the hot shots at the time. And then we landed yeah. on Glazer. And it was uh, yeah, an amazing experience because we were with Jonathan Glazer working side by side for six months. You know, he just yeah. finished Sexy Beast, and you know, when we were just and, and he was a you know he my he favorite movie of all time, by the way. That yeah. that that is my favorite movie. That's a great it's, movie. It's perfect. Yeah, it really is. We, uh, some of the sound effects are actually in Odyssey from that movie. Oh, really? Yeah, he bought some. That's movies. interesting. He was like, "I'm working with these sound effects. I'm just going to use them." Anyway. Yeah, that's funny. Um, so so um. Yeah, so that was a six-month project, and you know, you don't get six months to work on anything, like right? To tell. Yeah. yeah, and and it was also a time where you know, kind of early stages in post post work as well, and we worked with CFC and Frame Store, and uh, people were kind of they hated Jonathan Glazer basically based on the fact that how hard he was pushing them, you know, in terms yeah. of getting it yeah. right. So it was good to yeah. see that perfection, you know. So that was great, but that was our first album, you know. So I always say, like, yeah. You know, yeah, right. that was your was Boston, going, Boston. Yeah, but yeah, but then again, it's like, you know, this industry is not about your first album. It's about your second, your third, your fourth, you know? Yeah. And I think, yeah. you know, I, I, you know, you put that stuff behind you pretty quickly because, you know, the phone rings a lot and the press covers you a lot and all of a sudden it dwindles away because this business just moves on and, and, and it should, right? Yeah. So, so if I was keeping going, so it was a BBH, for, and we made a lot of work at BBH and they were talking about making it. His partners, I was also we like these kids, like we were like kids, we're like in our early 30s. I was like, I don't think we were 30, maybe when maybe it was we were late 20s, and and all of a sudden, um, we were we were kind of asked to go to New York because BBH New York was kind of taking hold of the North American Levi's business, yeah. and they wanted some help yeah. on that. So, yeah, who was out. there at the time? That was Kevin was McKeon. No, Kevin okay. McKeon, uh -huh. and it was Emma Cookson and Cindy Gallup. Yeah, um, those those that cast there. Yeah. And after that was Kevin Roddy. We came back and Kevin Roddy was there, and we uh -huh. got to make two other two other Levi's spots with them. And um, and you got to live in New York for the first time. I did. I did. Was and that your first time out of out of uh, out of England? No, no. England is the beauty of working advertising in England. It's like, oh right, you've been shoot, shooting, you were shooting in Paris, you were shooting uh, you South were shooting Africa. Everywhere. I don't know. I went everywhere. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I had to get extra pages put in my passport. I was traveling. We would like write for a month and then shoot for a month, and then it was yeah, it was amazing. It was like I remember talking to John Hegarty about John. I said, John, look, I've got to get from you know, I've got to get from Argentina to New Zealand on this job. And it's telling me I have to have a layover for 36 hours in the South Pacific. Surely they'll get, and John's like, don't worry, it'll work out. It's like John, John knew the kind of like, that the, the airlines will kind of, the airline gods will make everything good. I wouldn't have to have a layover in the South Pacific. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. But, um, but traveling, traveling was, was huge. But yeah, getting That's to exciting. New York, getting to New York. So this was, this was interesting because this is where I actually, um, you know, where it all started to happen, where, you know, the, 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 the personality of America and New York became far more important than advertising because it was mm -hmm. a whole new dialogue, right? Yeah. 
And yeah. I was completely taken by it. And I always, and my brother actually, a few years prior, had moved to Los Angeles to kind of pursue mm. his directing career. So it was like, and, and this is what I'm saying about that, our parents encouraging us. They, they knew that America was a place that wasn't a meritocracy. You could actually make it, you know, there's a chance to make it here. Yeah. And so I came to America and I kind of like had all the fun that you could have in New York before being single. It, yeah. was, it was like Caligula. It was all an awesome time. <laughs> and then and then I finally, you know, met this girl who I married. You know, that's that that happened. And we met, I met this girl, but and I was going back and forth from England at the time until I finally got to to New York and stayed. And um you know, B and BBH was was a good agency. It was it was a good agency, but it was it was too familiar. You know, it was too. And New right. York was too familiar. It wasn't foreign. You know, and I'd been going back to New York for years, so it was it yeah. was it was foreign. So I took a job at Goodby Silverstein, right? And, oh, okay. and then all of a sudden, it became completely you know a whole new world. It was foreign all of a sudden. It was a small town. It was a small city, and it was like yeah. advertising. Was San Francisco. Like, yeah, San Francisco. So. So that was that was great because um, after working with John Hegarty, you know, and then going to work with Jeff and Rich, you kind of felt the presence of you know other great creators. Yeah, and people. Who What's the? Passionate. How would you how would you describe the difference between the two philosophies of those agencies? They're so they're two they're two great agencies. What's the difference? Oh wow, that's interesting. Um, well, I think you have to also look at Rich and. Jeff's slightly different as well. I think that's what you have to do because I think Rich, you know, Rich is definitely the visual storyteller, the visual kind of guy, and Jeff is the writer. And that wasn't present in 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 uh, BBH. It was more of a visual storytelling company. Yeah. I think John was um, almost like a um, a minister of advertising, and I and I and I think you know. I have a hell of a lot of respect for Jeff and Rich. They were more like students of it still. They kind of like were really into it and kind of yeah. like more, they were a lot more on the ground, you know, I felt, you know, yeah. but John was really kind of like elevated. And yeah. So and I've heard for working for each one of the, you know, creative directors there, whether it's Rich or, 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 or Jeff or whoever else is there, it's a completely different agency, whoever you're. Yeah. Kind of and, oh, it's also Steve on, Simpson on and team. Jamie Barrett as well. Yeah. Yeah. Side. Yeah. So, Jamie Barrett. Yeah. And, you know, so, but they were, they, they, they were, we, we went out for lunch, they'll take you out for lunch. So I went out for lunch and, you know, I, and, you know, I think they were very talking about vulnerability and there was, it was a time that Crispin Porter had really taken off, you know, they kind of seized the moment, the digital work and mm -hmm. did some fantastic stuff. And, could be was or having a moment where they were kind of reflecting and it was it, they were saying we need to win right we need to beat these guys uh we they they were um, which is to be self-aware right yeah I, I hold a huge amount of respect for those guys because yeah what they wanted to do and they built a team and i'd like to think i was part of that team because yeah the next year we won agency of the year right and they yeah. put certain people in places and they kind of pushed a certain way and they managed to get the, you know, they became the champions. It was, and that was a fantastic moment. So going from a place like BBH. But that was their, that was their incentive. They, they saw this other agency. It was like Beatles and Stones kind of uh, totally. uh, vibe. Like they saw this other agency kind of taking uh, risks and doing crazy stuff. And they were like, we need to do that too. Let's figure out, we need to hire people. We need yeah. to like change things. What else did they change? I mean, you know, like more digital. Digital was people. like, was Will McGuinness yeah. was there. Jeff Benjamin had left. He wasn't there when I was yeah, there. Yeah, Jeff so, Benjamin popped yeah, in. And, yeah, and, but and it was Will McGuinness was reading. And a guy called Christian Haas was also there, who now is running YouTube. Um, uh, there was, um, who was, this? there was Mark Wenneker, there was Dr. John Matezik, John Matezik was my partner, you know, yeah. um, there was Margaret, Mimi Cook, there was, um, Tyler Hampton, Paul Fultz. I'm just trying to think there was a, there was a basically a great bunch of very talented, but very, very nice people. Yeah. Really fun people. You know, we have this saying, I talk to Tyler Hampton in every day and it's like, are they one of us? You know, it's like, are they one of us? And what yeah, it's yeah. meaning is like, you know, I think you probably know when I say, oh, you're one of us, right? You know what I mean? It's like, there's yeah. a way that we 
we speak and you know and correspond with each other that is kind of ad nerds ad nerds it's ad nerds but it's also you know it's also the right amount of cynicism you know right healthy dose of irony yeah but also this kind of like ruthlessness and this kind of passion it's all these things that are mixed together that is like another one of us where they're not it's a, a very non-political group of people. I thought. I thought Gooby was a very non-political agency. You know, mm-hmm. it was. Um, yeah, it was. It was a fantastic place. I thought. How do? You, how would you uh, talk, talk? I'm just thinking of the listeners and, and thinking. Oh, are they one of us? Yeah. How do you become one of us? Like, how do you groom yourself to to do that? I, I would know? say it's authenticity. You know, I think it's being yourself and. Um, I think it's about the 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 acknowledgement of that there is successes that happen outside of yourself, even though you're competitive. Yeah. yeah. And being able to have a conversation with a creative person as as on the level, you know, you know. Yeah. And I think I I don't think I've always been one of us. I, I was a shit, and I was very arrogant growing up, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. earlier in my career. But I, I, but when you kind of can have a dialogue that's very equal, I think that's it, you know? So it also strikes me that knowing the work that's out there, knowing the directors that are out there, knowing their, it was easier in our time uh, before uh, everything, you know, changed. Um, I feel like it was easier when there were producers that were bringing you stacks of three quarter inch tapes and, yeah. And being like, these are the best directors in the world for your job, or you know, yeah. you'll never get this guy, but you should check out his reel. Nobody does that anymore. How do we? How do we get people to be more in line with like what is going on, what is being made, and trying to beat it and trying to be better than it? Or is are we now in uh, sort of in competition with TikTok and and? TV yeah, shows and sports. I, I, I think so. I think, I mean, I think, you know, I, I will say this. It's like, you know, my journey for this industry, I've kind of learned the beauty of all these different channels and all these different ways to express, be it a slow, long crafted film or a TikTok video that we just worked on. Yeah. You know, and I, but to answer your question, I think we're, we are in, you know, we are definitely in competition with the Kardashian. You know, that's who we're, we really are with. And I think that's actually the right thing to be in competition with. You know, the, the, a lot of the issues I, I have with the industry is it's so insular, you know, it's like mm. it pays tribute to, to, you know, the little groups of people that are kind of handing the, 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 the candle around. And it's kind of like, okay, yeah, but did it really work, you know? <laughs> right. Did, you it know, sell, and, did it yeah, sell more toothpaste? Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and that's, and I always talk about, you know, I don't think it has to be pragmatic. I don't think that has to be an an, an an ad built by a committee. I think it can be fantastic because I've done it. I did it with Odyssey. I've done it with other things as well, and it can be done. Mm. So if mm-hmm. you can if you can somehow remove the kind of the the um, the thing that we lean on, this crutch of an industry we lean on, and throw yeah. ourselves out into the wilderness, jump out of the nest, right? Yeah. I think there's opportunity. And you know what? No one cares if you fail or succeed out there because there's so much coming. You can you can you can recover pretty quickly. Yeah, there's no more dead men walking. No. Uh, you know, you have to sit in your shit now for yeah. for two for two months because you just made a a, a, a okay ad. Like yeah. you're gonna get another shot in the next two hours. <laughs> exactly, and I always say to t- teams, I say like, you know, you know, when you're trying to let them down about their idea, they say like this. This is, there's nothing wrong with this idea. It's just in the wrong place, you know, yeah. at the wrong time. Yeah. There will be a place and a time for it. So yeah. it's just not now. And I and I actually believe that. I believe that. Um, and I think, you know, there are brands that you work on that that you have to stop thinking about how am I going to win the next Grand Prix and think about how does this actually be, you know, there are some brands out there that aren't going to get the attention of the world shows, but they can be best in the category. Right. Yeah. Think about all the B two B pieces of business out there. Yeah. So, yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and they can get people's attention. They can become part of culture. Yeah. I think know. GE. I think BBDO did a really great job of GE. You know, all the stuff that they did there. I think Ogilvy and May that did some really great stuff with IBM. You know, when they did the kind yeah. of the, the, the atom, the little guy that was created out of an atom. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think there's 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 always a, an opportunity. But you know, I think. Um, 
I, I, I think I think it's a very interesting time, you know. And I I, yeah. I think I grew up in the we grew up in the age of engagement. Do you remember that term, the age of engagement? Right. Yeah. And <laughs> it was like it's really important that you you engage with your consumer. And then and then we shifted to the age of disruption. Remember that the age of disruption yep. came along and okay. Yep. You've got yep. to disrupt. I was at I was at Shia when that. Oh, was there going. you go. So that's the age of disruption. <laughs> and now, if you think about where we are, we're post that, but we actually, I think we have to do both at the same time. You know, there's so many channels. You have to find your. You have to engage, but you don't. You don't have to engage with the masses. You might have to engage with a certain audience, and then you have to yeah. disrupt that because that's what they want. They want that kind of quick, quick hit or something. You know. Yeah. So yeah. So it's it's interesting. It's interesting. Culture is really interesting right now. Yeah, it is. Where do you where do you look right now when you're working on something? Where where do you where do you like to like, you know, there's 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 a time to work on the brief and then there's a time to, you know, sort of engage with how do you how do you stay engaged with pop culture and and stay uh, I guess stay cool is the is the uncool way to say it. <laughs> yeah, well, to be honest, it's like it's hard and I that's why you 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 know, you you have some great young talent around because they are really feeding feeding you with that stuff um yeah you know it's like it's things are blurry you know things are a little yeah. blurry so i i would wish i could can't sit, pay attention to it all no, and i wish i could sit here uh, and say i read five papers a day i'm on reddit 24 yeah. 7 and i'm you know <laughs> i'm also got a twitch account and you know uh and i'm joined my kids on their, uh Valorium game on uh, on uh, oh, I don't know see, I don't even know I'm trying to make it up yeah. I can't even, you know what I mean I wish I could say that but I will bullshit you you know yeah. um, but you know I think I know enough you know I yeah. think I know enough yeah. and I know and then I, hiring people like like what 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 uh, Goodby did you know and and having yeah. the right the right crew in there yeah where how did you get to where you are now tell me about where you are now and what you're doing these days and and what's exciting about it yeah well. Zambezi, I don't know what you know about Zambezi, but Zambezi was an agency that was founded with Kobe Bryant about 12, 13 years ago with Chris Rye. Chris Rye was at YB Kennedy. He was running the basketball business. And I think, um, you know, Kobe was driven to do more than just basketball, as you know. And yeah. he wanted to start an agency. So Chris was 27 and he took the leap, you know. And they were kind of really driven to be a more of a sports marketing agency. And, um, you know, they're relatively successful doing that. Um, but then a few, about five, six years ago, they came to me and they, for some Where reason, were you at the time? I was at Deutsch at the time. I was running mm -hmm. Netflix, HTC, and then Sprint. Um, uh, and maybe I was at 180. I was at one, I, mean, I think I was at Deutsch when they, maybe I was at 180 when they first came to me, but I was at Deutsch mm -hmm. after. And, um, and, you know, they go, you know, they they came to me and I kind of I kind of like brushed them off because we just won I can't remember if it was just, on the second time they just won Sprint and yeah. I was like oh my god I'm going to run this account this is huge I thought it was going to be yeah. awesome but telecommunication that has its own challenges yeah and then um, lots of lots of retail ads yeah lots of <laughs> yeah lots of moving shell games I call them shell games these days um, yeah and you know I and then. I, I then kind of engaged with them and I was given an opportunity that you kind of can't refuse. You work at an independent agency with skin in the game yeah. and kind of the cat that got the cream. And I'm, I kind of, I know I'm, I kind of count my blessings every day because it really is an opportunity to have the vantage point as a CCO and a partner of a company that is, you know, I think we're obviously the plane is constantly being built as we fly it, and it's you know, but it's definitely growing. And um, you know, Gene Gene was coming on board, who's the CEO, and female-run agency. You know, yeah. um, there was a lot of kind of like um, good contemporary thinking, and I was able to kind of, I guess they called it Zambezi 2.0 when I joined. It. Gene Gene took this the helm, yeah. and I think it. It's proven to be kind of a really great ride and we're growing and we've won some really great pieces of business and we're getting a lot of attention and you know we're still on our journey you know take, you know it's, but it's it's uh it's been it's been a good ride and how do some, you get how do you get past the sports marketing uh pigeonhole thing i think by having other business going after other businesses yeah, it's, it's kind of yeah it's just kind doing of it. yeah exactly just an evolution yeah. you know of, 
of the business. And I think that's what I learned from BBH. And that's what I'm bringing from BBH is that BBH, you would work on Audi one day, you'd work on Levi's the next day, you'd work on Mentos the day after that. You'd work, you know, you'd work on different yeah. brands. So you'd really tune that ability to kind of like swing in different personalities. And I think that's what I want to show here. I wanted to bring here. And I think I, Weirdly enough, the Zambezi name comes from the bull shark, which is a, a shark that can swim in both bracken and saltwater. And ah. so the, the adaptability was here. And my whole kind of thing was about, you know, being lots of different things, being an actor and doing different roles. So it was almost like written in the stars, you know, that, that we would come together. So so it's, it's great. And it's it's... That's- it's sports marketing. I mean, we still get a lot of um, opportunity for sports marketing. You know? Yeah, that's not nothing to sneeze at. No, don't, no. don't push that away. No, no, I mean, <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. But it's it's great to have diversity. You know. Yeah. How do you? Uh, how did you come through the pandemic with uh, all of your teams and and? Um, uh, oh, what do you mean in terms of working remotely? In or? terms of yeah, working remotely, like coming back to the office. What's the plan? Well, I think, you know, I come to the office every day. No one's here. I mean, there's a couple of people here once in a while, but I, I come to the office because I like to have that division between home and work. I like yeah. to make my bed in the morning. I like to get quick dressed. I like to just like, you know, I'm working. Yeah. Um, we don't, we, we are, we are keeping it very, very loose right now. But, you know, I yeah. think, and I, I, I think people have different processes. We right. have people that join this agency, maybe 25% of this agency is people that haven't even stepped foot into it. We have people that oh are working God. in different states, but it's working. Yeah. So, so, you know, we, we are going to just see how it goes, you know, and I think people, if people can be as effective or more effective working at home, that's not, that's great. If people want to come in, that's great. Yeah. I think it really matters. Yeah. I think there's a good side to it where we're learning, you know, how to make, I mean, I was a freelancer before this and, mm-hmm. and, uh, I'm a freelancer again. I feel like freelancing makes did you ever you you freelance yeah a bunch, bit yeah in between just, jobs yeah, yeah. uh but never as a like a long term like i'm just going to be this no i did it for maybe a year and a half the longest and i loved it but yeah I guess, or we say that the freelance that full-time is the illusion of security and freelance is the illusion of freedom you know it's like <laughs> you're just trading off one anxiety for the other but I guess what you're about to say is the kind of the the, the remote working thing was. Yeah, you, know, you have to learn how to do it. Yeah, you do. And I used to work with Scott Kaplan. I don't know if you know you guys. Oh, yeah, yeah of yeah, course. Yeah, so. Cappy. Big, big shout out, Scott Kaplan. Big guy. Cappy. Yeah. We got to get him on here. Oh, my God. He'll never shut up. I'll never get a word in edgewise. I mean, I, he has to be, he would be the best radio personality, wouldn't he? I'm trying oh my get, God! I'm trying to get him into cryptocurrency right now, and he's all neurotic about giving. Oh God! There's yeah. no way he's going to get. <laughs> but um, he's but making we, NFTs yeah. out of yeah. his painting. That's right, out of his painting. But we, 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 but we worked on these. So he, I would be in LA, and he'd work in in, in these coasts, and I'd get up in the morning, and I'd go to a coffee shop and work with him. And you know, he's a very, very quick dedicated He's very prolific you know yeah. yeah so so it was a very good four hours five hours to get it done yeah um so you know the lot of, a lot of the time spent at an agency is you know it's like talking to people you know having yeah look what, what sneakers do you want to buy next you know all that kind of stuff cranking um, stuff out is is the it's the key it's what yeah. i learned when i was working with cappy at bbdo is right. is just crank and yeah. just 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 have ideas. Don't worry about like, is this good enough? Is this good? No, just move on. Yes. To the next stick, thing. Stick a move, stick a move. And that's, you know, stick we, it on the wall. Yeah. And then, and then you do the edit and then you do. Yeah. I think, I think the thing is, is like, as a creative, you've got, you've got to remind yourself that you're in a, a it's a, it's a safe zone. It's a free yeah. zone and mistakes are great, you know, and yeah. things that don't work is great. It's not until you have to go and present that you kind of just share it appropriately, you know. And right. um, but no, I think I think I think freelance was was really a real fun time. It was fun, but yeah. for me, for me, it's like it, it's and probably for most people, they, there's a purpose when you're in a business, you know, and you're yeah, you know, and I'm a part business owner, and yep. and that is something which is also a creative, you know, uh, venture, you know, just to, to grow a culture, to grow yep. a business is a very, very exciting thing. And a new thing, it was a new thing for me as well. So I've, yeah. I've 
I've actually kind of dimensionalized my 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 kind of myself through this process. So where 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 freelance was always like a, a means to an end. It felt like a means to an end. Right. It could be very financially rewarding, but it was like you know. yeah. You didn't really care if you won the pitch or not, you, you know. Well, you, you kind of sometimes cared that you, that you would go another round, you know. Like right. You get, yeah. You, know, yeah. Like you kind of the whole the whole psychological thing about about where where, where you position yourself yeah. was completely opposite to what you usually do. But but it it was it's a good thing. I think people should definitely spend time freelancing because understanding how running a business and how how you show mm-hmm. up and how you're a vendor. Because people who work in advertising don't understand that they're a vendor. They think they're an artist, just purely artist. Right. I think there's yeah. a really good learning, and I think it actually makes you better. You know, it makes you better. Right, as a, as a- right. Because it doesn't really matter if it's like the most creative thing ever if the client doesn't buy it, and if no. you if you know right. if it's not going to get it get through, then you know. But, yeah, that's you don't right. Get to I, just go. Uh, yeah, and and you know you can you can you, you know like sometimes clients what clients want to hear and what creatives want to want to hear are two different things. But they could be the same thing, right? Yeah. And you could be selling the same thing. And yeah. there's ways to kind of position things and change the optics appropriately to kind of get get what the creative wants as well. So yeah, I think that's um, something you definitely learned at BBH too, right? I mean, yeah. the, the, the ability to get close to your clients and and uh, I feel like that is that is a that is the toughest thing about these days. It's so hard to get to know uh anybody right. yeah um, oh you mean just and, during covid yeah yeah, we, yeah. You, you only see I, half of their face you know but yeah. well some clients don't yeah. turn their 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 yeah. cameras on <laughs> i know yeah how do you do that i know it's 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 interesting isn't it? i mean it's like it I, I had this theory and i was talking about someone this morning about this theory that that you know, right now we're, we're talking about the go back to work policy is we're going to be flexible like i just explained yeah, but as soon as there is a competitive, you know, uh, advantage to being in the office, yeah. you know, like Omnicom's kind of stock goes through the roof because of it, or you know, everyone will be doing yeah. it, and all of the, we'll yeah. pivot and shake back to it as well. Yeah, you and know? that's why I like everybody needs to get vaccinated because if you're not yeah. vaccinated when that happens, you're yeah. out. You're that's out of right. a job. You know, that's it's right. like not, right. not that you'll get fired from any place, but just like it will be. You won't be the freelancer that they call if you're if you're not able to. Yeah go on the shoot or, or go to the, go to the meeting or whatever. Um, uh, what did I not ask you? Cause I feel like we're coming up on time here. What did I, I, what should I have asked you? What do you, what do you want to talk about? What do I want to talk about? Um, well, I, I think I, I tell you what I talk about, I think, um, going back to maybe some of my management, you know, the way oh, I've, yeah. managed. I've been, you know, I've been, also how did you go from, from, you know, hotshot creative yeah. to manage? It's a totally different job. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I became a total dickhead, you know, arrogant dickhead. And <laughs> in the I middle, kind of, yeah. And I, you know, paid the price. The ACD of being a dickhead, years. You know, oh, you've been there, right? So and <laughs> I, I use it right now. I say this is age appropriate behavior for some of these people. I talk about putting people on flight paths if they want to be a CD. I'd love to make some of a CD, you know, while they work here or, or help them go to their next job and so they can take advantage of it. But I, I always talk about, um, you know, like uh, kind of age appropriate behavior. And you know, they're a dickhead. I was like that. And it's okay. So you can see that. I think my my manager. I talk about my management style is that I, I kind of keep things very flat. You know, I think I like everybody who gets a job at Zambezi, what, whatever they do, be it you know someone in operations, someone in the creative department, whatever. Well, they'll have I'll have a talk with them, half an hour chat with them, and it's probably much like this where it's a, like I find it very uncomfortable knowing that someone might have a preconceived idea of who you are or a or a necessarily a fear. You know, like being a CCO. To some yeah. people, it could have a huge, you know, could be pretty um, intimidating, you know, I, I, mm-hmm. and I know how that feels. So I, I like to remove all of that and keep things very loose and organic and conversational and mm-hmm. flat, you know. And I only say, I say to people, we're no different, you know, we're all creatives. But the only difference is, is that I've just got more experience than you, that's all. Doesn't mean I'm mm-hmm. right, I've just got a bit more experience than you. So I like to keep things really flat like that. And I think that really helps people just have this loose approach to their thinking. Um, I like to talk to talk about, you know, also I talk about like, um, you know, what we do at Zambezi, we like everybody, we have our philosophy, you know, like the idea of kind of, you know, being very diverse and female run and that we are uh, an agency that is about being adaptable. But ultimately, all of these agencies, we all do the same thing, right? We're all offering the same services. We have, you know, 
we're fully integrated and we kind of do media and all those things that are great. But I think what we what I like to say is is that is rather than use that as a sales technique to kind of recruit people, I don't say come here and you'll do the best work of your career. I say I'll say something like I'm not going to say that. I say it's up to you, right? So yeah. I think what, what I can offer or what we can offer when people come here is is the opportunity is that studio space that I had at art school, right? Yeah. That if yeah. you want to take advantage of it, it's there. You know, it's on you. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's kind of going, you know. So I like to talk about that, and I also talk about never present something you don't want to make. You know, when you get the whiny creative saying, oh, yeah. "I can't believe I have to make that." Well, you fucking sold it. Yeah, you made. You Why'd you show you, it? You made. I can't. I can't. I can't be pissed at a creative who's a client has made so many changes that it doesn't kind of kind of look anything like the first script they shared. That's not yeah. necessarily the, the creative's fault, but if they go and present something that gets bought it's on them so i'm just you know so what i guess i'm saying is is that there is a studio space here that you can you can either paint the sistine chapel or not yeah yeah and 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 make what you can and learn along the way and and enjoy the process too i think i think think every single job is is you know it's not always going to be uh, people running through walls uh, no. upside down in Levi's. It's like sometimes no. it's just not going to be that. So to learn from it and then next time, you know, use yeah. your, use that. Um, the, br- the brilliance is, is the, um, I think what we, 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 we don't put enough attention on is the brilliance of the concept, the solution. Mm-hmm. And we put more about the kind of the, the, the recognition. We kind of, t- we, we look at the recognition. Mm-hmm. We don't break down the, concept and say well this is a really great solution like great we've been writing headlines we rarely write headlines we're pitching a really interesting piece of business and they require yeah. it and it's like wow it's the fundamentals of writing a really great oh, headline yeah. it's just yeah. like i wish there was more of it. i really do i wish and i feel like sometimes i'm talking like a communist because i'm talking about <laughs> an old like an old yes, standard right. from oh business. he wants a he wants a billboard oh god i mean, I mean I there know. are still billboards yeah they are and I, but but <laughs> that but, marmite stuff was pretty good that's right you know? but i believe there's room for everything that's the beauty of it yeah yeah, yeah. there's a room for a peloton connected to a, a vending machine you know that gives you the more calories. yeah more, you know? no there's room for innovation yeah. and there's room for new things and there and tiktoks are going to be just as boring as billboards someday yeah. um and yeah. and it's important to know just to know as many things as possible so you can make those connections. But yeah, I know you're, I know what you're saying about, about writing head. Sometimes if I'm stuck on something, I will just, you know, forget the brief, uh, you know, forget like the deliverables on the brief and all the different, you know, it needs a 15 second ad and a six second thing. And I'm just going to write some headlines. I'm just going to imagine they have some print ads somewhere. Imagine it's another, because it just, or, or their Facebook ads or whatever they are, but they're headlines. And they yeah. just, they have to communicate and it has to communicate all of it in this square. And they're organized. Uh, it's organized, right? It's organized. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, when, and being an art director, you know, we used to do these, you know, the same thing, but with the visual headline, basically. We used to call right. them, uh, what term is v- VCMs, a visual coincidence malarkey, you know, when you have an object <laughs> that looks like something else. It's like, that's a VCM, you know? But, but yeah, I, think, okay. I, think, I think it's, um, you know, I, I think you know, I'm. I would like to think as much as I'm putting myself out there to, to remain curious and learn about all these new channels. I think it's very important that that, that people coming into this industry learn about the old things as well. I think it just makes yeah. the offering so much more richer. You know, it's, it's yeah. I think there's there's also like the old things are the new things, just in different packages. And yeah. and you know, if you can write a, a billboard headline, you can write a. And, uh, a web a website headline it's it's uh i did a um if you remind me i did same a, humans looking at it i did a uh, thought leadership piece for adweek and it was about um the sculpture of the girl you know um, oh yeah the uh fearless girl fearless girl right and my, the whole premise of that piece was around in a time where technology isn't so advanced that we're doing kind of a, a- ar codes and and we're doing yeah. social pieces and expandable things and and you know 3d projections the thing that is most applauded most talked about is a sculpture right yeah could so, have been made in the 1200s exactly so so never underestimate the power of anything you know never yeah. underestimate it so and i think it's it's a, 
a good lesson to learn because you know if you talk about being disruptive where like you know bbh was when the world zigzag and was it shy yeah. was we are the pirates and yeah you know, it's all about yeah. it's all about doing the complete opposite right so yeah it's all about getting noticed and that that doesn't always mean do the thing that everybody's doing yeah um oh my god i could talk to you for hours Gavin. No worries. <laughs> uh, can can uh what 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 can how can people get in touch with you where can they uh reach you if they want to you can Kids reach me with at, their with their books yeah gavin.lester at zmbz.com i would gladly look at some great books and talk to some great people that's uh, awesome you never know I'm, I'm actually hiring if anybody is looking so all right what yeah. are you looking for i'm looking for uh, a senior team a junior team um right now yeah all right yeah we've got some yeah i've got some Great opportunities. Yeah, you know, I, our, our I, accounts are tailor made and USGA and Traeger Grills and UKG and Spindrift and Google. Those are some good ones. I can't. I oh, can't. Google. Heard of it. Yeah, we're working on something <laughs> with them. And yeah, there's, there's, we've worked with Beats, all sorts of people. Yeah. We've had, you know, yeah. we have the champagne and we also have the, uh, the kind of, uh, the fizzy, fizzy water. The bar snacks. Yeah, all that stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I've seen your work is amazing. Uh, big sure. fan. So I should, I should just wrap it up and say thanks for coming on. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> hey, it's Gavin Lester, everybody, from Zambezi. Give him a call. Maybe there's a spot over there for you in Culver City. Um, yeah, so this has been the A-List Podcast. I'm Tom Chrisman, your host. And uh, please rate and subscribe us wherever you listen to this and share us with a friend. Um, and go buy a deck of uh, Ad House of Cards at adhousemyc.com if you can. It's 20 bucks, helps kids. Uh, music was done by Ross Hotman over at Duotone Audio Group. I love you, Ross. Okay, have a great day. Bye.